Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Atlanta Falcons Nation. We have some special guests in the house because it's the first time you've ever seen the lady on my left. Introduce who you are since they don't know you. This is the first time they're seeing you on the screen today. Hi, everyone. I am Lisa Shepard. I am an ATL native, diehard Falcons fan. Happy to be here with you, Maggie T. That's right. Die Hard Falcons fans is something that we are very proud of. You know, it's hard to find women in sports that really are passionate about their team, not just cheerleaders, but we are diehard fanatics, seriously. But we have a special guest in the house, and she was actually here, I guess, last year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when she was actually with an athletic. We have Tori McElhaney. How are you doing? Hi. Oh my gosh. I cannot describe to you how excited I am to be back on this show. It was the last time we did this. It was one of my favorite shows that I think I'd ever done because we just had so much fun. And mm -hmm. now I'm really excited to be here to be with both of you women because mm -hmm. that is so, I don't know. I think this is so cool to see three women talking sports on the same screen is just something that is very, very near and dear to my heart and something that I'd love to see. So thank you so much for, for having me on. I'm so excited. We're, look, you're excited. I, I've been asleep well. I was like, this interview is going to be the most, because it's hard to get women together at once. Everybody oh, has yeah. their own individual jobs and everything that they do for their individual brands. But to come together, to talk about the Falcons of all teams oh, in Atlanta. Look at it's us. So, <laughs> so kind of introduce who you are. So everybody, you know, if you're not, they're not familiar with who you are, just let them know a little bit about you. Yeah. So I'm Tori McElhaney. Um, I am the beat reporter analyst for the Atlanta Falcons, um, specifically for AtlantaFalcons.com. I am the in-house reporter. I say so many different words all the time. And I'm like, I need to figure out a way to like make my introduction shorter. I was like, I can't be using so many words to describe what I do. But for those that don't know me, um, I essentially interview players and coaches and write stories for the website. And um, it is something that I absolutely love to do. I used to work for The Athletic, like what Ma Maggie was talking about. I worked for The Athletic for about three years post-graduation from the University of Georgia. And then I made the jump during training camp last year to work specifically for the team. And it was kind of a new venture for me and something that I'm very, very happy with. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just, I feel really good about where I am in my life. And I, um, I'm excited to just to chat with all of y'all. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, um, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Um, and it's, you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm not on TikTok because I don't know how to use it, but maybe someday. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, and all these social media platforms, I'm still getting the gist of it because they change it every day. It's like, okay, now we have a reel. Now we have this. So it's like trying to stay into, especially with this metaverse coming around. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what anything for that. <laughs> exactly. It's like, woo, let me just try to, you know, stay on surface, please. Because it's like I'm drowning in all these new updates. So everybody's saying hello. Let's give a little shout out to the audience. We see good morning. I cannot wait to watch this interview. Thank you. And I'm so glad you're here. And what's going on, Pat? What's going on, Marwa and Bubba Gum? And so we got quite a few people <laughs> in the chat. Please share this out before we get in right into this interview. So we'll invite other people to watch this amazing interview, you guys. But let's get right into it, shall we? Let's talk about, you know, you kind of alluded to it just a little bit, but being an UGA alumni and taking a career in journalism, the question is, were you always a Falcons fan growing up? Uh, this is actually really funny. I was not. I Ooh. was, yeah, I was not really into the NFL at all growing up. Um, growing up, I, it was funny because my dad was my high school's football coach, which I know we've talked about in the previous uh, episode that I was on. And so football's always been a huge part of my life. 
Um, but we very much were a college football family. Mm, and there is a difference in college football. There is, yeah. And so every Saturday, we would watch Georgia football mainly, and then we would watch other college games. And then what was funny was on Sundays, we would get up and we would go to church. And then Sundays were my dad's meeting days for uh, his team, so for high school football. So and you're so, always missing NFL anyway because you're busy with dad. Yes, exactly. And so <laughs> it was funny because we like football made up such a huge part of our lives. But on Sundays, Sundays was like the one day where we didn't really like do much football stuff because he was off doing his weekly meetings with his coaching staff. And so it, it's really funny because I really didn't get into the Atlanta Falcons and really being and really following the Atlanta Falcons until I was probably in college when I met other people who were like you guys, diehard Falcons mm -hmm. fans. And we would, I would go over to their apartments or their houses and, and watch their, their like watch the games. And so that was really, it wasn't until that point that I really truly became more of a, a Falcons football watcher growing up. I really wasn't, I was way more into college football. Well, and I feel the same way. Uh, of course, I was born and raised in Atlanta, and so it was my dad's Falcons fan. But at the time I was watching football, Falcons, of course, wasn't, you know, as broadcasted and popular. So, of course, we was forced to see the Cowboys on TV every, course, yeah. every year. So it's like, of course, I watch other football. So I'm a fan of the NFL, period, mm -hmm. not just the Falcons, too. So, you know, but I just course happened to be here back when it was the exciting time with the you know the old school logos that yeah. was the excitement that we were in school doing the dirty bird dance and um that's what brought my more my awareness to it a little bit more during those years but of course mm -hmm. younger i was watching it but didn't quite understand it as well totally so, yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i'm sure y'all are excited about the the red helmets coming back I know, oh right? yes yes i'm so i mean they just need to go full old school regardless i want the letterman jackets and everything that could come back that would be great <laughs> That would be fantastic. I mean, I mean, I mean, I need, I need to like just put in a couple words and just be like, hey, you guys, like, why don't we go full red, like full red helmet, full red jerseys, get the Letterman jacket out, like, let's do the whole thing. That's right. Let them know, Miss Maggie and Lisa sent you, told you that. You know, hey, you heard it here first, you audience. Lisa, you know, you want to add to that real quick before we move on to the question. You know, were you always a Falcons fan? Was I always a Falcons fan? Yes, ma'am. I was born into this thing. Um, in high school, you know, when most kids are working at Six Flats, I was actually an usherette at the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Oh, wow. so I got to see all the home Braves and Falcons games because at that time, the Braves and Falcons shared the venue. So I'm all teams ATL all day. Um, it's just what it is. And it's never going anywhere. And as an adult, became a season ticket holder, um, been through all the, you know, extreme highs and lows, but, you know, people say your loyalty is to be commended. I'm like, it's my team. Like, yeah, I don't, it's all I know. Number one is the only NFL team I've ever represented. Um, and Atlanta's my home. So there's a connection there that, you know, can never be disbanded. And so, I love, you know, when we're high, we're having a good time with the team. And, you know, when we go through the lows and, you know, we've had four straight losing seasons and I'm glad to have a Falcons community where we can, you know, vent our frustrations, but the support will never waver. So oh, that's why that's how I'm riding. I say this, if you are a Falcons fan through the downs and ups, and we have a lot more downs than we've had ups. You are <laughs> yeah. definitely bored, you know, you could be a diehard Falcons fan. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Hi, Matt, Mike. I see you in the chat more than ladies. Tori, back in the place. We absolutely adore you. Oh, um, <laughs> Mike, love it. Heart, heart, heart. <laughs> well, let's go ahead right into the next one, moving right along with your recent move, because you kind of went into it. Um, yeah. You want to add on it. Um, Working from the athletics to working with the Atlanta Falcons directly, how different has the experience been for you? I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah, uh, this is a great question because I don't really talk about this all that much. And so uh, 
the reason why I think a lot of people ask me like why I wanted to leave the athletic and make the jump to working for a team. Um, it, it, there's so many things that went into that decision for me from a personal standpoint, also kind of from a career standpoint too. what I was looking for and what I was valuing for myself. I think, um, it was really a difficult decision because I thought for so long that I wanted to be a journalist. And I, for so long was like, you know what, like this is, I'm working four jobs in college just to put myself in a really good position to be able to get a good job out of college. And then to have the decision to make the jump to the team, to team reporting side, which a lot of people do not view as journalism, even though I still technically, I, I tell people all the time, like it is, I, I still do the exact same things as I did for the athletic, as I do for the Falcons. It's just in a new medium. And I actually have an office at the state or at the, uh, the facilities. And I, I tell people all the time too, for me, being a beat reporter was a very lonely existence. And mm -hmm. I, did not, I felt, and I think the pandemic played into this as well. Um, but I, I, when I think about it, like I was very much by myself all the time. Like you're not a part of a team. You don't have people that you see on a regular basis. And yeah, every, all of the other reporters that you're friends with live in different parts of the country. And like some of my best friends from the athletic were from Greenville, South Carolina or Chicago. I mean, they were all over the place. And so then I, it, it just felt very, very lonely. And so when I made the jump to the Falcons, it was like, my world was opened up. I have a team of people mm -hmm. that I work with. I, the last thing that I feel is lonely. I have men and women who I work with on my digital team, whether it be video, photography, social, UI, UX, like all of these things. Like I, all of these people that I work with make my job so much better. And then also just the overall work-life balance that I feel like I do have now that I felt like I didn't necessarily have before. Like I, so when the Julio Jones trade was happening, I was on vacation. I was getting- I remember that. I remember yes. that. Cause you was, I remember the tweet. You was like, oh, please don't break news while I'm on vacation. <laughs> you was I'll tell you the story. It was the worst. I, so I was getting on an airplane to go down to Florida with a couple of my best friends, my best girlfriends. And I put, had my phone out. I sent that tweet put it in my pocket, walked into onto the plane. And from Breaking the time news. I walked into the plane and sat down, they had <laughs> traded Julio. And it was, I immediately, immediately burst into tears because I, I knew, I knew I wasn't going to have a vacation anymore. Like I, I just wasn't. And it was, it was really, really like, it, that that moment was kind of my breaking point where I was like, I can't even go on vacation without having to do something. There was one time where I was walking down the aisle. I was five minutes from walking down the aisle in my best friend's wedding as a bridesmaid. And I get a text message about somebody rolling an ankle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please leave me alone. <laughs> but now it's so great because I have a team of people that I work yes. with. And so, so when difference. I, when I do get to like go on vacation, I don't have to worry about anything. And yeah. I, I don't have to worry about somebody texting me right before I'm about to walk down the aisle that someone simply rolled an ankle. Like that's not something that I have to deal with anymore. And so that part of it, I tell people all the time, it was more of a, personal decision as much as it was a career decision for me to leave the athletic and go to the Falcons. Cause I just, I needed to value my time as a person more than what I was my time as a reporter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, that's one thing about it. It's, it's cause especially myself, you know, you, you have the help now, mm -hmm. you know, imagine trying to run all of this YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything all simultaneously. All trying to get everything you know right as far as editing and grammar Whew. and then you know yeah, internet right. 
internet goes down, you know, it's just always something going on. So I definitely understand what you mean. I might not be in the journalism role, but just, just trying to get to these breaking news. is like, yeah. I'm constantly like this with my phone. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I might be talking to you in conversation, but I'm looking like, Oh Lord, Julio Jones did something. Hey, wait a minute, you guys, let me, let me, let me copy this real quick. You know, yeah. It, you have to stay on your toes 24 seven with, with, especially in the off season just was well, kind of quiet. Thank you. Thank goodness. Before training camp. I know. So you're probably enjoying it. I was like, let me catch it before she gets too busy. Oh, yeah. No, y'all caught me at a great time because we're we're kind of tapering back, you know, right now. I said the other day, I was like, this is the deadest of all dead periods of the, the football calendar. And that's really true. Everybody's off doing what they need to do before the season starts. Right. I'm actually going on, on vacation. Well, not vacation, but uh, one of my best friends is from Jamaica. And she is getting married in November and we are going to her hometown in Jamaica for like five days Ooh, right before training camp enjoy starts. Enjoy it. And Turn it's all the notification like, off. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm so excited. And it's like that kind of stuff. Like I, I'm so excited just to kind of take take some time to be with my friends and have some experiences that I I normally feel like I probably wouldn't have had. So I I and also I completely think what you do with Atlanta Falcons nation is so fantastic. And I feel like you, I know it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of work that goes unnoticed, but girl, I, I commend you for the work that, that you do with this. I feel like this is your baby. Like this is, this is it your definitely is me and Matt Mike been doing this. Honestly, it started off from a group of about 18 K now of Falcons fans, Atlanta Falcons nation. Now we call it diehard fanatics. Cause as we kind of incorporate other Atlanta sports, cause everybody, you know, not everybody's a Falcons fan and right. a Hawks fan, but we, we do have those. So we try to incorporate that, but man, that was just a hobby. At one point, it was just like, hey, here's a group in, placed in your lap. What are you going to do with it? So right. I became an administrative and I just was lost. I was like, oh, I got this big group and I don't know what to do. <laughs> but the fact that I tailgated and enjoyed myself and met so many amazing people, I began to do meet and greets and it just developed into this. So me and Matt Mike just been doing this for nearly a, well, a decade, actually. Um, actually, July is our anniversary of our YouTube Wow. I can't think of the exact date, July something, mid-July mid is our anniversary. So we'll do something special around that time. But thank you for the recognition. You're welcome. I see you guys. And uh, Matt Mike said, Tori, this is gold. Being in journalist is a difficult job, constantly watching every aspect of the team. That is a hard job. It is. <laughs> it, is. Mm -hmm. it really it is. It really is. And well, I do quit, Tori. Let's talk about... Um, you know, we talked about you being a journalist, but let's talk about you being a sports podcaster because, you know, the final whistle and I'm going to show a picture where we were. This is where this was at um, the Falcons first look um, where at the Benz and you were doing a live podcast with um, interviewing AJ Terrell. So can you talk about the podcast side of sports journalism and yes. how that's changed for you from just being a traditional journalist? Oh yeah, no, that's a great question. And I also loved getting to meet you then. And I love that picture. It's so cute. Um, but yeah, no, uh, the podcast was something that I, you know, I've done podcasts before, I, but I've always been a guest. I've never actually had like mm -hmm. my own quote unquote podcast, even though this is something that I do with Scott Fair. Um, but I was very much like I get very nervous speaking. Um, I, I, it's funny because podcasting, radio, and TV, even though I do it a lot for my job, it's not something that I feel like comes naturally for me in the way that writing does. Got and it. it's something that I very much have tried to work hard at it is trying to become better vocally um because it is it, it is a part of this job it's an important part of this mm -hmm. job it's an important way that people um consume their news and and their information about a team and so podcasting has been something that i felt like i mean it's like with anything the more you do it the more comfortable that you get but i know for that podcast that you're talking about with aj 
I was so nervous going into that because it was the first, right? Like it was the first time that we were one interviewing a player. So we wanted to make sure that AJ, you know, had a good time and this was a good experience, an easy experience for him. And then also two, it was the first time that we were doing it live in front of people. And that's such a different beast than us just sitting in the studio, like riffing back and forth with each other. Um, so that was a very, it was a very fun experience getting to see everybody and see how excited they were to see AJ. I think that also was something that like really reinforced in my head that like AJ is kind of the face of the franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that was, that moment really sold it for me. Like how much, okay. AJ Terrell is, is the Falcons right now. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a new era and AJ. I'm loving that. Yeah. AJ Terrell is kind of the, the one that's leading you into this new era in my, which I think is very interesting because I feel like you don't necessarily feel that way about a cornerback. Right. Like very rarely do you feel that way about a defensive player in general. Like if you're talking about a face of a franchise, you're talking about a quarterback. You're talking about a receiver. You're talking about like these quote unquote playmakers for the offense. Very rarely are you talking about a defensive player, but then seeing at that live podcast how many people wanted to just sit there and listen to what AJ had to say, even when we were asking him goofy questions about what his biggest pet peeve is and and stuff like that. I think like that was really, really fun. And for the podcast to be able to kind of reinforce that in my mind and to do that was very interesting because the podcast sometimes is very – um, it's very chill and that was not a chill moment, but I feel like we learned a lot, um, from that live podcast in particularly. And I'm really looking forward now as nervous as I was going into that. I'm really looking forward now to doing more of those, doing more player interviews, doing more coaching interviews on the podcast format. And then of course, when we get to training camp, hopefully doing a live podcast at training camp, you know, all, awesome. right? Like all of these things can just build upon one another now that we've done it once. So I I really, I've fallen in love with the podcast in a way that I did not think that I was Mm -hmm. going to. Yeah, it's definitely like me. I am not because you see it's a humidity every day, you know, my hair all over the place. So it's like cameras and me, I'd rather be in the back and let Mike and all of them do their thing. Hmm. But it's something about, you know, being able to interact with the fans too, mm-hmm. their excitement about things the, for them to want to listen to you talk. And especially Tori, I know your voice, you know, when it comes to these press conferences, it's like, Oh, there she go. Cause we got led better, you know, his infamous, <laughs> infamous, infamous tone, but yeah. now we got you in the locker room, Kelly sometimes. So it's like, it's, it's amazing just to, you know, be able to see you in person too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause there used to be, I don't know if you remember, um, but there used to be a ESPN zone. Mm. And yes. they used to have it where they hosted interviews with players on stage. Mm-hmm. They took that away, you know, so we don't have those live interviews other than, of course, our press conferences with Arthur Smith and Terry and maybe the players are doing something. That's something the Falcons are uploading. But mm-hmm. it used to be where it was a fan experience where you can come dine and sit and watch the show. So it's we don't have that too often. So it's great that they're getting ready to bring that back, hopefully, where it's a fan uh, participation. But let's go on to the next one. Let's talk about this movement. Now, women in sports were work- recognized early this year, about February, in the National Girls and Women in Sports. Um, and it was like a day. Um, mm-hmm. You said it was February 2nd. Yes. And I recall because I was just so happy to see it on Twitter. And I just seen how you guys all got together and um you know just made awareness to it and i just was like hey i didn't even know about this thing until you guys started coming together and doing it now are there any organizations you refer that encourage more women participation in the sports industry as well as let us know a little bit about that national girls and women in sports you know how did that come about yeah so national girls and women in sports day is february 2nd and it's kind of just like a social movement where people kind of post on social media and and kind of it's just a day to 
to give some love and support to to the women of this field. And I, I think it's it's something really nice. It's really nice to be recognized every now and again for the work that you're doing, especially in a male dominated industry where oh, yeah. majority of the time you are the only woman representation in a press conference scenario or in the locker room or just in some meetings. I mean, you, you really are because this is a male dominated field. There are a lot of times where it's just you as a woman representing one yourself, but two, a whole collection of of the fan base. Uh, I think people forget that there's a great, there's a great majority of fans that are football watchers that are women. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to, and we watch the game. I truly believe that we watch the game in a different way than men do. And I think men watch the game in a different way than we do. And I think making sure that we are consistently thinking about the different ways of which people consume our content, I think is really, really important. So, but no, so the National Girls and Women in Sports Day, around the time uh, this past winter, uh, a group of women who are sports journalists in uh, the Atlanta market, so uh, Kelly Price, uh, yeah. Maria Martin, Allison yeah. Mastrangelo, um, uh, Sarah Spencer, the, these women who I are, are really near and dear to my heart. We just like one day just decided like we don't get to see each other that often. We all have like this random Tuesday night off from work. Like we're going to go up to Pond City Market and we did like a little igloo and okay. went ice skating. Yeah, I remember that. So you went yes, and, and it was just so fun. And we sat there and we had drinks and we had appetizers and it was so fantastic. And it was great because, like I said, we don't get to see each other that often. We see each other at press conferences and, right. and our paths cross all, all the time for work. But outside of work, because our schedules are so crazy, it's like we very rarely get to really just sit and hang out and have a drink together. And so that was something that we very much wanted to do. And it it just so happened that like a couple of weeks later, we were celebrating National Girls and Women's in Sports Day. And so we could post and be like, look, here, here are five women in the Atlanta market that love each other, love what they do. And this is, it's just really great. And so I, I love that. And you're talking about organizations. I know um, one specific organization that I have I've spoken at a couple of times at the University of Georgia. It's mm -hmm. um, it's called Awesome, and it's A W S M, and it's like okay. Association for Women in Sports Media, and that that's really great. There's chapters across so many colleges, and it's really awesome. I, I met. The girls who are running it at UGA not too long ago and went and spoke with them and had dinner with them in Athens and um, just seeing that there is so much of a passion that this is a growing movement. I think more women than ever are getting into sports journalism, sports media, different aspects of the collective entertainment industry that is sports i think is really really awesome and so hearing from the just the passion from these young girls having the same passion that i did when i was their age and then them asking me questions about what i do now and what i would have changed if if i would have done if i would have done anything differently if i would have done anything the same what advice i would have the more we talk to other women in this field I think the better it's going to get. I think mm -hmm. I am. I have very much come to the conclusion in my own life is like the more the more you keep to yourself, the less you talk about something. Nothing is ever going to change. So, right. so in order to make change happen, we have to vocalize it. We have to let people know, like, hey, this is okay. Continue doing this, or this is not okay. We can't mm -hmm. can't continue to do this. So, I think that's kind of just really awesome that women i feel like as much now as we ever have before in this industry have a voice and have a place okay you said um, it was a w s m that's how it's spelled yes perfect yeah. so i'll look that up eventually because i'm we're interested in finding all the organization that bring awareness to this and honestly i feel next year that you're you know now aware of that day 
Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what you guys decide to do um, around that time. And I will definitely, me and Lisa will make sure we are also bringing awareness to that, you know, that day as well. Um, once we know exactly if it's February 2nd each year, that's even greater. So we can mm -hmm. remember that. But I think that, like you said, it's amazing that, you know, you meet, meet so many people when you do think it's just you. Like it's normally it's just me and my twin sister. You know, we go to games together. Like the women in our family, maybe one auntie watch football heavily like we do. Everybody else, oh, I'm going to get my nails done and, you know, be pretty and just cheerlead. It was like, no, I watch the game. I'm mad at the players. I'm yelling <laughs> at the TV. I'm throwing milk cartons and things at people because I am upset about certain things. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Let's see what these comments are saying, though, while we, you know, midway into this show. Hey, what's going Six Man, how you doing? It's a real email just hidden for privacy. Okay, I don't see what that means right there. The Falcon social media has given AJ Terrell mm -hmm. a, um, a lot of love. He's definitely the face of this franchise. Now, going back to what you were talking about, that interview. I agree. Even on the first look, I think you asked AJ... I mean, there were some Falcons fans that weren't necessarily all that happy about the, when the Falcons drafted him. And now we fast forward a couple of years later, and I'm telling you, and I'm sure you saw it, AJ is a rock star. Even mm -hmm. after he left the stage, there were people clamoring at oh, like yeah. running at like security had to kind of wave people off because he had to go. And yeah. it's crazy to see how that shifted for him. And it's and it's a good thing, you know, AJ. Yeah from the Atlanta area. So for him to get that hometown love after not quite being, you know, warmly welcomed initially, I think mm -hmm. he's amazing. And I'm happy oh, yeah. for him. Yeah, I think that was something that is so crazy to think about. The moment that AJ Terrell was one of the loudest, I feel like people were in terms of just absolutely hating that draft pick. They're like, hey, this is this is the worst thing ever. Like AJ Terrell in the first round, blah, blah. <laughs> It was a loud dissension of people who just did not like that the Falcons drafted AJ Terrell. And now here we are. Two mm -hmm. years later, oh, now, now, now you yeah, like it them. is like all and it's funny too, because I think people are very at least some people are very cognizant of like I was one of those people that said this was a bad pick and and AJ Terrell proved me wrong. And I think that in and of itself is a great story just for, it is. for AJ because you want to be embraced by your hometown team. Definitely. And, and initially. He wasn't. And now he has gone and cemented himself as, I think, one of the best young cornerbacks in the league. Yeah. That yeah. in and of itself is such a, I think, a unique storyline for, for AJ. And I'm really happy to see that kind that 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 story over the course of the last two years. And I know I'm excited to see what he's going to do in, in 2022 because mm -hmm. I think personally – putting Casey Hayward off uh, on the other side of the field from him opposite him is going to be very, very good for this Falcon secondary. I, people ask me what position group I'm most excited to see play. And it's like, Oh, I'm excited for the AJ trail Casey Hayward pairing at cornerback. Like let give me all of that. I will love to see all that. So I'm excited about that. And I think it's only going to make AJ more important in this defense too. And Love I like it. the fact that AJ, even when he got snubbed for, you know, the all-star ballot, mm -hmm. you know, and I think he was well-deserving of it. Oh, yeah. His, his press conference interview, he was still humbled. He was like, you know what? I'm not really too concerned about that. You know, I appreciate everybody's being, you know, ecstatic about, well, you know, excited about it. But he's here just to play. He's here to mm -hmm. get his job done. He's not worried about a popularity contest. Love yes. it. At this point, you know, Tori, you mentioned having a crazy schedule. Do you travel with the team for road games or are you pretty much, you know, staying here in Atlanta? Yeah, so I travel. It's it's funny because uh, so last year I flew commercially to all the games. So I flew on my own. It was like a group of us from the digital team that would fly in like a day early Okay. And then we would stay a day later just because we have so many things that we've got to do before the game and after the game in I terms of pushing out com content. But I think this year I will be flying with the team. Um, now that, yeah, 
I know. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. Honestly, it's, it's going to be super fun. I think it's going to be great. I, uh, but it's funny because the reason why I wasn't last year was because of COVID protocols. Um, that was yeah. a huge thing. You could only have so many people on the plane. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not a necessity on the plane, <laughs> like a player or coaches, obviously. Well, yes, you are, Tori. <laughs> you are a necessity because you bring us the content. We won't know what's going on if it wasn't for you. <laughs> no one would know. <laughs> but no, so I um but this year because COVID protocols have lifted and we're getting to go back in the locker room and, and okay. all those kind of things, I will be flying with with the team. Um, unless something changes in terms of our schedule but i think for right now that's that's the plan so i i'll be going to every away game which wow. i'm really excited about going out to la and then up to seattle in week okay. three i'm i'm very excited that's one of the parts of this job that i very much enjoy i love seeing new places meeting new people eating new food mm -hmm. i know i had the best time traveling last year, going to San Francisco for the first time and um, experiencing New Orleans was just fantastic, even though we talk, even though we hate the Saints. The food, the atmosphere, the culture <laughs> is great. Yeah. You know, we might trash talk just a little bit, but I'm gonna drink my, you know, my garage hurricane, you know, yeah. hurricane with you. It's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Dallas was so much fun. Like there were so many like places that we went last year that I had never been before. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to get to travel and, and do all those kind of things. And I'm excited again this year. I mean, Lovely. I, uh, that again, traveling is one of my favorite things to do. And so being able to travel with the team is, is going to be That's very dope. exciting. That's very a dream excited. come true for <laughs> me just to be able to like, we're just trying to get on the field to at least get in, in close vicinity of a player, but to travel with them. So you get to see them when they're downtime, you know, when it's just, a, and look, get you some suitcase dividers, if you will. That way you can separate things because you're going to be living in your suitcase for quite some time. Oh yeah. I have the little <laughs> packing cubes. Oh, oh yeah. Those are life changing. I, cause you have to like keep, I don't know. I have to like, I, I try to look good for exactly. gameplay. Yeah, it's, and, it's a little bit more work for us women. Oh, it definitely has <laughs> got to have my makeup, my hair curler, like all of it. Like I, I'm not going to look like a scrub, like just walking in to, on game day. That's not happening. <laughs> it's like, don't talk to me before this interview, but you know what? I'm glitz and glammy now. So that's yeah, all I'm like, matters. okay, I'm ready to go now. <laughs> yeah, your makeup was on point for first look. I noticed. I was like, okay, you had your face beat. All right, Yeah, That's the thing is another thing is like, I, as a woman in this industry, like I want people to see like, okay, like they are, they look good. Like I, what? that's something that I very much, I, I've gotten really into clothes recently. I've never grown up. Oh, I, I love never... your fashion since you've been Thank putting you. out there. I've been paying attention. I'm going to look at her. Just a fashion diva as well yeah. as a sports uh, analysis. It's amazing. Yeah. I, th I just think it's super fun to like play around with clothing and, and try different things. And that was something that I did all last year. I like made a point. I was like, okay, game day fit check. Like I'm going to have a different outfit every single game day and I'm going to try different things that I've never done before. And that was so fun for me. And it's something that as women, I feel like y'all would 100% get, I feel like no, none of them. As you can see this curly hair of mine, like I'm naturally curly. So I try to make it straight, but this humidity is just not being my friend. So it's like, you know, we're going to go with it. It's okay. It's okay. It's like, luckily we're inside almost yeah. all the time outside of like training camp and practices and everything. So like when I do look good, it's like, okay, the hair <laughs> is not going to move. <laughs> get this side, please. It's the best side for me. <laughs> well, let's get right into this next question. Year two for Arthur Smith and Terry. Mm -hmm. Do you see a better season to come? And what are they focusing on to improve based on what you've kind of seen in mini camp? Yeah, so uh, I think what I like to tell people is when it comes to this season coming up, I think everyone has to be cognizant of the bigger picture at play here. I think, yes, they're going to want to go out and win as many games as possible in 2022, but there is a lot more at work here than just this 2022 season. And I, I think about all of the different things that are kind of at play here. We don't necessarily know at the quarterback position 
what the future of that position is now that Matt Ryan is in Indianapolis. They bring in Marcus Mariota. That's great, but he's on a two-year deal. Then you draft Desmond Ritter, number 74 overall. That's all great. Are we confident that any either of these guys are a franchise, right, is a franchise quarterback that's going to lead you into where you want to go offensively? We don't know that yet. And 2022 is an opportunity to kind of see Prove that. It. And, and to, to see if, okay, is Marcus Mariota having a resurgence in his career? Is Desmond Ritter a, a really good pick at number 74 and someone who can lead a team in the future? Or is there a situation out there that we haven't even come across yet? Is, is the franchise quarterback that you're looking for someone you could trade for? Is he someone you could draft next year? I think there are so many different things at play and the best way that I can kind of use this, the best example I can give is at the quarterback position. It's like, we're going to find out a lot in 2022 what direction the Falcons organization want to go in. Because you do think about in this regard, it's like, okay, in 2023, the Falcons will finally after years, not the money. Yes. They will not be fighting an uphill battle. That is the salary cap. They will finally be in a position to do what they need to do to start laying the foundation and building the team that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith want. And I think that is very important when you're looking at the overall scope of the organization. So in terms of a better season to come and, and what improvements need to be made, there are a lot. I mean, there mm-hmm. there are a lot of improvements that have to be made. And I, I think that you are going to see some some moments that aren't that great because they are still figuring it out. This team is made up of a lot of young players that are going to play very, very early on in their career. And there is going to be some growing pains in that. And I think understanding that, but understanding, too, that 2022 isn't the end-all, be-all. There is a lot still ahead for this organization. And, and I, for one, think that that just is it has to be a cognizant thought when you're kind of watching the product on the field in 2022. It's like there is still a lot of transition happening here. Let's be patient, which I know is so difficult. I don't want to be patient. I'm not a patient person at all. I if I've got something I want, we want to win now, and that's it. But and that's it. But there is a lot more at play it here. It does take a lot. Because I kind of like that you said that Kyle Pitts recently said in the interview that he actually feels a lot better than he did last season going into camp and training. And he even went to the university, um, you know, to practice. Because he's tight end university. Yeah, tight end university where he just feels that, okay, like you said, these are first-year guys that's co- transitioned from college to, fo- you know, pro football. Yeah, it's it's a whole different. It might be a similarities, but you don't know who your coordinator is. You don't know who your coach is. You don't know how they run their scheme. So it is brand new, you know, from day one for a lot of these uh, rookies. Yeah, you know? no, you're absolutely right, and it's it's interesting because I think you look at, I know. Uh, Jalen Mayfield and Richie Grant got a lot of heat in their rookie years because of the level of play of which they exhibited. And it was interesting because recently Arthur Smith was talking about like, they really, this wasn't the, the plan, like having Richie Grant play three different positions in the secondary was not the plan for him. Having Jalen Mayfield be the starter day one at left <laughs> at left guard was not the plan. What, what was the plan was there was an, a long-term vision for Jalen Mayfield and Richie Grant to get them where they wanted it to be. Now that has to that was accelerated to a degree that I think no one really thought was going to happen. And so they had some bumps in the road and they had some growing pains. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to be like that. It doesn't mean that these were bad draft picks by any stretch of the imagination. They still have a lot of time to prove one way or another that this is this is where they're supposed to be and this is what they're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Um, Lisa, let's go ahead and get into the next question. Um, you kind of went into it. Um, I guess since we already talked about 
um, the quarterback. Let's get into the wide receiver. You want to yeah. ask that question, Lisa? Yeah. So, Tori, what are your thoughts on the Falcons selecting wide receiver Drake London at number eight? Now that you've seen him in some mini camp action and kind of like AJ, there were there was a segment of Falcons fans that were like, oh, no, I don't know about this pick. Oh, so, yes. yeah. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there was there was a lot of people that like Drake London, the first receiver off the board. What is this? Why are we doing this? And why is not a quarterback? Exactly. There were so many. There were so many different. Like, why are we doing this? What is that? Um, but for Drake London, this was a very strategic pick for Arthur Smith and his his offense. We knew going into this offseason that the Falcons wanted to get bigger at the wide receiver position. They wanted some guys who could get some yards after initial contact. They they wanted some bigger players out there. Now, they've gone out and built a basketball team at yep, the wide receiver exactly. position. Yes, we got towers on the field now. Legit. And so <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting. I, I love breaking down kind of the offensive weapons of which Arthur Smith has at his disposal right now because you have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London now, you have a guy like Auden Tate. Yeah. I mean, all of these guys, uh, Brian Edwards, you go out and trade for him. All of these guys are over six foot three. And that is that was a very deliberate choice by this coaching staff and by this front office. So going and getting Drake London was very, very important because when you think about it, and I've said this a couple times, for the first before the draft, for the first time in Gosh, over a decade, the Falcons did not have a true number one wide receiver. You know, like the, you go back to Roddy, the you have to go back before the Roddy White era in order to be like, oh, when was the last time that the Falcons had a question mark at wide receiver no. one? Well, now they don't. It's Drake. And so they went out and got Drake London. And something else about Drake London is that people were saying a lot of things like, well, why didn't we go out and get any of the other receivers that were technically ranked higher than Drake London was? That's because Drake London fit Arthur Smith's scheme the way that Arthur Smith wanted that specific player to fit. Arthur Smith wanted a guy like Drake London. He didn't need a, a speed guy. He wanted a guy who could run over people. <laughs> like that's that's, that's what he wanted. And so they went out and got it. And I, and really and truly, I think just from talking to Drake at minicamp, both rookie minicamp and then mandatory minicamp with the veterans. First of all, he's a tall guy. I mean, I know, like, it's funny because you see these guys on camera. And, and they don't you, look like they're as tall. Right. It's like, and then you're standing there and you're like, oh, hey, Drake. Um, and, like, so, and, and he, too, was really great, too, because he was like, something that I admired about Drake was he was very adamant about how excited he was just to get back out on the field again. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that people forget. Like this is a, was a kid that was injured yeah. for the majority of the last, like what, nine, 10 months. And that legitimately for someone who's competitive and someone who wants to be out on the field, like the fact that he said like his favorite thing about all of this was just being out on the grass again like just playing again, I think that's something that people oftentimes overlook is mm -hmm. that is that part of it, like that this kid just wants to play some football. And I think he I, I think I'm really, really excited and looking forward to what he does in his rookie year, because I do think that he has an opportunity to really be be what he wants to be in his rookie year. Um, am I talking about a thousand yard season? Gosh, I hope so. But even if it's not that, I think just getting Drake London on the field is going to help out Cordero Patterson. It's going to help out yeah. Pitts. Like having these guys around him and having him be on the field alongside them, I just think it just adds another layer to what Arthur Smith can do offensively. And you know what? I wanted to add to that. I've noticed from year one of Arthur and Terry to now. These players are ecstatic to just get out there, even in the dead of 100-degree heat. They're just out there trying to put some pads on and play with each other. They're even, um, I think it's Drake London, um, that, then they're getting ready to have, like, California practice right before training camp. Mm -hmm. So it's like these players are kind of collectively just taking initiative beyond training camp and mini camp. They just, they're even.
even predicting, hey, playoffs, you know, predictions and things like that. These players are like hungry. They're ready to go. It's like they're like kids in a candy store. Like, we just want to play some football. Just get it started. Now. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that is like almost a mentality of which Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot were looking for. Like I'm they sure. they are very not like for Arthur Smith specifically, I think he's very much like. I don't want any prima donnas on this team. Mm -hmm. I, I want people guys, ready to play. And yeah, go. I, yeah, I want guys who are yeah, just yeah. going to go do their business and they are those professionals that go out and do what they got to do when they got to do it. And they want to do it. And want to do it. Yeah. And <laughs> I think like that's very much a mentality. I think you talk a lot about this team having a chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that is something that to me is very, very evident when talking to every single player on this team. Every single player on this team has something to prove mm -hmm. to themselves, to the team, and the just the league at large. That is something that I feel like you don't get all the time. You don't get players like that all the time. And so I think that part of this team is something that's very fascinating to watch. Okay, and let's get into, because we're getting down to our last couple of minutes of the show and we already talked about AJ we talked about the quarterback um, competition so let's just get right into this right here mm -hmm. everybody's wondering what's going to happen with Deion Jones once he's back from you know his surgery um you know they didn't extend him um do you feel that he'll be remaining with his organization after he recovers will he be a Atlanta Falcon you think gosh that's that's the question on everyone's mind right now isn't it I I, I think it's gonna go there this could go any number of ways and something that I think we have to think about when you think about Deion Jones is you can't talk about Deion Jones and not talk about his mammoth of a contract, right? That's that's the kicker. But you are at a position now that you've gone past the, the June 1st kind of deadline, mm -hmm. you are at a position where you could trade him and it not be detrimental to your dead cap money and, and all of those kind of things that go along with salary cap. You, it wouldn't be as bad as it would have been prior to June 1st, but it takes two to tango. So what could the Falcons get for Deion Jones? What does his trade market look like? Is it something that they're willing to give up in order, in order to gain something else? I think all of that is kind of what you're weighing right now. And also you have to look at the inside linebacker group as it is right now. And as it is right now, I think you're pretty, pretty set. Like just look, just me looking at this, this depth chart. It's like, okay, I like Rashawn Evans. I think Michael Walker is ready for more responsibility in this defense. You have, you went out and you got Troy Anderson. Do I think Troy Anderson's going to be a three down guy every, like every single series? No, not yet. Anyways, he has a lot that he has to do in terms of just catching up to speed in the league. But do you feel comfortable with the group that you put together this offseason that way, the way that you can go out in the trade market and just have talks with people about, okay, what would you want for Deion Jones? I think that is all kind of happening now. And I think all of those conversations would be happening now um, before you get into training camp. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, whether it works out, whether it doesn't, Deion Jones is still Deion Jones. He can go yes. out and play with the best of them. Even though last year, I think people were like, oh, it was a down year for Deion. Mm -hmm. And it was. Comparatively speaking to his other years, it was a down year for Deion. But he's still Deion Jones. And I still think like there is value. There's obvious value there. But it's like, how are the Falcons valuing him not only now, but in the future and what he could possibly provide in terms of draft capital mm -hmm. come 2023? Yeah, all of the it's it. There's so many moving yeah. parts. Yeah, with this, the topic that it's really, really difficult to to kind of predict one way or the other what they're gonna do with with him in in this situation overall. I'm I'm just as curious as everybody else about how this is gonna shake out. Oh, definitely. Um, and you want to add anything to that, Lisa? Then we're gonna move on to the very last one because we're getting ready to close it on. I know up. this it's hour is flies i swear <laughs> <laughs> well i will let you know for sure i will be at training camp for a couple of the dates so i'll be you know um i'm always at the bins i'm a season ticket holder and i'll be at a couple of road games so i look forward to seeing you again doing what we do but i you know we're in a unique position right now you know moving on from 
Matt Ryan and Julio and, and it's the new look Falcons team for 2022. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited. And I just want to share this with everybody before we wrap up here. We'd love to see you. Rep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Look at that. Look at that lady. Her jersey. <laughs> That is fantastic. What's that you got on the jersey? That is, I swear, that is the single funniest picture of myself that I have ever seen. That's the, that is hysterical. I literally love that picture so much. And I'm like, you know what? This is fan freaking tastic. They told me to do that when we were doing our photo shoot. And I was like, what do y'all want me to do with my hands? And they're like, act like you're throwing the ball. And I was like, that's so cute i love that and let's get right into the last one then we'll just close it out here um who is expecting you can make it brief you like um to be the breakout player even if you just want to do one player um offense and defense who you think on your end you will be a breakout player this season yeah so i think defensively uh, I really think that Michael Walker is posed to have a, a good year. I've talked to him a couple of times over the course of mini camp, and he's he is chomping at the bit to get out there and get some more playing time. So I, I think that he's going to play a significant role in this defense. Offensively, I could go a number of ways. I, I feel like I, I it's funny because I I feel like. I want to say Drake. I want to say Drake Lennon. I want to say that he is going to have a, a really good, solid rookie year. And I, I think that Kyle Pitts is going to continue to do Kyle Pitts things. I'm not worried about him. Um, I, I think there are just so many different ways that this is going to work. But I will say, I think I would like to see Marcus Mariota be a breakout player. I'd like to see him kind of have a resurgence of his career and mm-hmm. and That'll be a nice storyline. Right, like and have this this story of a guy who was a, a a first round pick and was a starter and then was hurt and had different coordinators left and right every time he turned around and then he's a backup and now this is a chance for him to kind of resubmit himself as a quarterback in this league. If Marcus Mariota could be a breakout player, that would be really cool. And I saw a question back in the earlier. Uh, I'm going to go back to it because um, I think it's kind of loose back to your career here. And then, we'll, you know, this is our wrap up moment. But, Tori, have, you know, do you have any executive ambition as you're moving forward in your career? You know, you know, do you have a goal? You know, yeah. I, I, I do. I mean, I would love to be, um, I don't know. I would love to be a leader in something. I don't know what that is. I don't know what path that means. Uh, I think all the time I'm like, oh, I, I would love to be like a decision maker within the organization, like at one point or another, like that would be fantastic. But then it's like, but then I'm in meetings all day and I'm not boots on the ground covering the team and going to practice and and writing stories and having that creativity. And so one day, one day I would love to to be able to to be a, a leader. It's funny because I think the the phrase is a leader of men. I would love to be a leader of men one day. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think like in terms of career ambitions, like one day I would love to be a a part of the decision-making process of an organization in whatever capacity that I feel like I could be the most helpful in. Um, but for right now, I'm very happy with where I am. And I'm, I'm very just as a person, as a woman, as a friend and daughter and, and all those kind of things, all of the above. Like, I think I'm in a really, really good spot right now, but who knows in the future, I I would love to be a decision maker in some capacity at at some point or another in my lifetime. So (laughs) we'll see. I I love it, Tori, you know, and I think that, you know, something that you might want to put a title on, you are a pioneer, you know, you and the other journalists or reporters um, that kind of get together you're bringing more awareness to this movement that we have, you know, women empowerment, you know, um, women in sports. Like there are a lot of us out there that are afraid to speak out and speak up of what they know without being critiqued. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you get that quite often. I do. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't know it. You don't play the actual game play of football. Yeah. So yeah. how are you going to tell me about anything? Mm-hmm. 
you yeah. studied it. Mm-hmm. You know, you took your time as an expert to get to know it. So please give me the proper respect as a woman here. You yes. know, I love it. So continue that campaign because I will make sure that we are proud supporters of it. And the organization that you did mention previously, I'm gonna put it back up there. Uh, awesome. And it's, it's a lot awesome. more awesome. I like the name. Awesome. It's, it's so easy good. To, it's easy to remember. Um, even you don't know how to spell it. I'm definitely going to do my due diligence and do some research so I can kind of inform everybody of these organizations. But thank you, Tori. Tori! I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. And I, I really love what you guys do. And to be able to have, again, three women on the screen talking football is just the best and it's so thank awesome. you so thank you so so much for having me on i i really appreciate you guys and respect all the work that y'all do thank you thank you so much and thank you everybody in the audience that watched us please share this out and follow tori y'all see how you spell her name at the bottom there you can follow all social media platform instagram and twitter please she's i don't know if she's following on facebook but find her share more <laughs> content because she actually just did a great series on rookies Yep. Yes. Oh my gosh. My final. Oh, that was, that was a passion project of mine uh, over the course of the last gosh, like few months and talking to position coaches and scouts about how they found these rookies and and Mm -hmm. why they liked them. I I loved it. It was one of the, my most favorite series that I've gotten to work on at uh, to date. So I thank you for that shout out that I loved it. <laughs> and I'll make sure that we add that to the stream link so people can go find it if, in case they're not following on social media. But um, I think everybody go on over to AtlantaFalcons.com um, and please check all of that out. Or if you can't find it, find her on social media. But that's all we got right here. We appreciate you once again. Our hour is over, you guys. Make sure you tune in tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have the Dirty Bird Thursday with the AVN crew. We're going to bring a lot more content for you guys. Thank you, everybody. Lisa, thank you for joining me as well, everybody. You're going to see her a lot more, people. Ladies getting together for the purpose of the love of football. Until the next time, Miss Maggie T, Lisa, and Tori. At Rise up, everybody. Rise up, people. <laughs> we are out of here. Woo.